When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. If you'd like to participate in the podcast, you can call and leave me a voicemail if it's interesting and relevant. We'll use it on a future podcast. That number is 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. You can find this show on Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and most podcast directories. You can follow the show on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes or email me at RightNow at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Always want to welcome the listeners over there at Mojo50 and iHeartRadio. Great to be back on board with the conservative cartel and the guys over at Ron Phillips' shop. In the second half, uh, well, no, I'm not going to tease that right now because uh, we might actually do that interview for tomorrow. But uh, were you listening last night when the president went on Hannity's show and absolutely blasted with both barrels the uh, the Russia hoax and this um, this whole cover up? First of all, the the illegal. Um, activities that uh, the Obama law enforcement intelligence agencies participated in by spying on the presidential campaign of the opposing party, the greatest political scandal in our nation's history. But the president went on, um, went on with Hannity, had a lot of really strong things to say um, on Schiff and and uh, and the intelligence committee, uh, he he really uh, sang the praises of Jim Jordan and David Nunes and the other members of the uh, the House Intelligence Committee for really getting to the bottom of this. If it had not been for Nunes and Jordan and um, and the North Carolina representative, um. We, we might have never known what would happen. And if that had been the case, they probably would have been successful in framing Trump and removing him from office or, or at least trying to impeach him. I don't know if they would have ever gotten the votes in the Senate. But uh, Devin Nunes, who the Democrats and the mainstream media um, smeared as some sort of rube from the Central Valley of California, he was only a dairy farmer after all was the real hero in all of this. He's the one that kept digging and kept digging. He, um, they tried to frame him for uh, letting the president know that, uh, that his campaign had been spied upon, and then they, they tried to 
pretend that the president was out of his mind for, you know, believing that. Trump has been totally vindicated. There was never any Russia uh, collusion or conspiracy. It was all a ginned-up hoax by the Clinton campaign. And then it was weaponized after the election in order to try to cover up the wrongdoing on behalf of uh, the FBI and the CIA. And now Mueller, who was brought in to complete that cover-up, and you you would have to say, to a great de- uh, uh, degree, he has been successful because he's kept the the new administration on defense for the first two years. And one might argue that he was uh, he contributed to the House uh, Democrats being able to to uh, retake the majority. And now, you know, all of this uh, this obfuscation and cover up can be transferred over to the. Uh, Democrat-controlled committees in the House of Representatives. But I got a few clips here to play for you. Uh, the first is is um, is Trump's uh, promising that he is going to go ahead and release those FISA documents. You know, during the uh, investigation, there was a lot of push by Trump supporters to release these FISA documents and expose. Uh, the lie uh, that the deep state perpetrated on the FISA court and Trump um, stepped right up to the line of doing that and then backed off. And here he tells you his rationale for doing that. I do. I have plans to declassify and release. I have plans to absolutely release, but I have some very talented people working for me, lawyers, and they really didn't want me to do it early on. Devin Nunes, by the way, and Meadows, and and you look at Jim Jordan, and so many of the people that, that were, they worked so hard. And a lot of people wanted me to do it a long time ago. I'm glad I didn't do it. We got a great result without having to do it, but we will. One of the reasons that my lawyers didn't want me to do it is they said, if I do it, They'll call it a form of obstruction. So they'll say, oh, you released these documents. So we would make all of this information transparent. You know, in politics, you always hear transparency. Would make it transparent, and then they'd call it obstruction, knowing the people we're dealing with. So, frankly, I thought it would be better if we held it to the end. No, but at the right time, we will be absolutely releasing it. I did the right thing by not doing it so far. Yeah, you know, I have to admit he did do the right thing. I thought at the time that he ought to just blow it all up and release these documents and everything. But uh, again and again, Trump has proven himself more wily than uh, than the Democrats and their uh, their handmaidens in the media. Uh, and now, uh, you know, all of the never Trumpers and the opposition media are are frankly made fools of uh, over at MSNBC and CNN. They have lost, CNN lost half of its evening audience. They're down by 50% because this this is what happens when you take somebody for a ride like they did their audience. They uh, they feel justifiably betrayed and deceived. And I I don't think a lot of this, this audience will ever come back. Uh, Rachel Maddow, who has been the, queen of the conspiracy theory. They always like to uh, paint uh, right-wingers as conspiracy theorists. Though what, what you saw over there at MSNBC rivaled anything that Alex Jones has ever been able to put together on his show with Rachel Maddow uh, conducting that three-ring circus of conspiracy night after night for 
going on three years now. And, um, and she's lost a major portion of her audience as well. So, uh, originally they, they sort of tried to draw back and, uh, you know, offer justifications and they trotted out, uh, Brian Stetler and, and others, uh, to Chris Como over at CNN to try to justify their over to the top coverage saying, we're not reporters. We just, we just, uh, say whatever we're told by these deep state sources. We're, we're, we just report the truth as we know it. We don't investigate. And you can you can bet that uh, those lines were right out of uh, the mouth of Jeff Zucker over there at CNN. But uh, Maddow, for her part, uh, you know, spent the first day uh, spinning more yarns about what we don't know and uh, how we can move forward and continue to flog this dead horse. Uh, but she's lost a major portion of her audience. And to tell you the truth, journalism in the traditional sense in our country is dead. Um, the legacy media has uh, become stenographers and propagandists for the Democrats. Um, I think Tucker Carlson said it really well last night. He said, uh, you know, they should be, have to be classified as a pack. If all they're going to do is go on their programs one after another and read the Democrat talking points, and take these anonymous Democrat sources in order to try to smear the opposing party, uh, you know, these should be classified as long-form campaign contributions. And he's absolutely right. But Trump, uh, Trump on Hannity uh, was characterizing Adam Schiff, uh, who is now sitting in the chairman's seat at the House Intelligence Committee. You talk about... Uh, a contradiction in terms anytime you use intelligence and Adam Schiff in the same sentence. But this guy has been totally dishonest and cynical. Uh, basically, he is basically the elected uh, equivalent of Rachel Maddow. He, he has no compunction about telling lies. He, he is a fabulist. Uh, but here's what Trump had to say about Adam Schiff. Well, Schiff is a bad guy because he knew he was lying. I mean, he's not a dummy, and he knew he was lying. And for a year and a half, he'd go on and just lie and lie and leak and call up CNN and others and just, you know, I watch him so sanctimonious and gets on and says, oh, well, we want to talk about Russia. He knew it was a, a lie, and he'd get into the back room with his friends in the Democrat Party, and they would laugh like hell. Uh, at what they were doing. It's a disgrace. And he knew it was a lie. And therefore, in one way, you could say it's a crime what he did because he was giving, I mean, horrible, making horrible statements that he knew were false. And frankly, you know, I heard they should force him off the committee or off the committee chair. He should be forced out of office. He is a disgrace to our country, and you have plenty of others. But he would go on night after night talking about uh, collusion, the collusion delusion and uh, I will tell you this about Russia. If they had anything on me, it would have come out a long time ago, probably a long time before I ran, because they would have been better off, much better off. And I hope we get to get, really get along well with them, but they would have been a lot better off with Hillary Clinton as president in terms of energy, in terms of oil and gas. Look at what we're doing with the energy. It's incredible in our country. And he is absolutely right. The whole notion that... Uh, uh 
Russia would have preferred Donald Trump be elected to Hillary Clinton is an absolute joke. Uh, Trump ran on a, a platform of rebuilding the military, of unleashing our energy resources. And, uh, and both of those things are just um, crippling for the, the new Russian government. And they already had a known quantity in Hillary Clinton, as Trump said right there, low energy, quick to uh, capitulate, and really, quite frankly, didn't have the uh, America's best interests at art, especially when it came to energy resources. She was uh, a, a slave to the environmental movement that absolutely demands that the United States keep its energy resources in the ground and put ourselves at the mercies of these, um, these Middle East sheikhs who hate America. But you know, the really great thing about uh, Trump is he's just, he's just a guy. Uh, he's a, he's a, a property developer used to working around tradesmen and, and uh, people who work with their hands. Uh, I know he's a billionaire, and thank God he is, because that's the only way he ever rose to power, by financing his own campaign. If he were dependent on the moneyed interest to donate to his campaign, we would, you know, we'd just have another establishment uh, Republican there um, selling out the nation uh, hand over fist like the Bushes did. And they, uh, they were all on board with Jeb Bush to keep that gravy train rolling when, uh, when Donald Trump, thankfully— uh, came off the sidelines and turned the whole thing over. But um, but they're o- over at OMSNBC. Oh, Chris Matthews is not ready to give up the Russia collusion. He really has nowhere else to go. He's he's kind of lost, and he he's uh, he's trying to breathe life into that uh, that zombie uh, and and resurrect it. And he had Ben Rhodes of all people, Ben Rhodes, the architect, the the English major in college and the architect of Obama's um, Iran deal where, you know, they delivered $150 billion in cash on pallets to the mullahs in Iran at the same time, allowing them to uh, continue their development of, uh, of their nuclear program. But uh, here's Chris Matthews. And Ben Rhodes on last night uh, trying to figure out a way to resurrect this uh, this hoax. And there uh, here at the end is uh, um, uh, a lady named Val Deming. She is a uh, oh, she's one of these social justice warrior Democrats. But uh, here it is. And so it, it could what Trump see up to here of saying, I won. I'm exonerated. These other guys are the bad guys. They're the felons, basically, not me. And when we finally do see the Mueller report a month from now, two months from now, they've already won the PR battle. Is that what they... Because otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Because if they're going to be completely shattered by the results of the Mueller report when it does come out, why are they lying now, if they're lying? No, Chris, I think... I think you're 100% right. And if you watch the last few months, this felt very orchestrated. You know, right after the midterm elections, he fires Jeff Sessions. He puts in place Barr, again, a man who'd written a memo saying that he fired Jeff Sessions as if Jeff Sessions was doing him any good over there at the Justice Department. He had to recuse himself and sit on the sideline while one of the Russiagate co-conspirators, Rod Rosenstein, 
ran the investigation, uh, the cover-up, the Rob Mueller cover-up into all of this. Uh, But Ben Rhodes is saying, well, he fired Jeff Sessions. You're damn right he fired Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions was crippled and worthless. And he's brought in um, uh, Bill Barr to try to uh, restore some legitimacy and prestige to the Department of Justice and the FBI. But uh, back to Ben Rhodes and his uh, rantings. The Mueller investigation was not uh, credible. They knew that Bob Mueller plays it straight and that he's silent and that Bob Mueller was just going to file this report and not say anything. And they knew that Congress wasn't going to see that report right away because they knew it was going to go first to the attorney general's office. So what they understood is that they would have this window to shape public perceptions of what happens. I wrote a story about two years ago about the, uh, the people that grew up in authoritarian regimes seeing echoes of that in President Trump. He likes these figures like Vladimir Putin. Oh, here we go back to the Trump is dictator narrative. You know, first we have Ben Rhodes, the English major, spinning his narrative that the the reason um, that they're not releasing the report right away and just dumping all of this grand jury and classified testimony on the public is because uh, Trump wants to be able to uh, shape the narrative. And now we've got uh, Val Deming. Uh, going right back to the Trump is Hitler line that uh, worked so well for him for two years. Uh, people that grew up in authoritarian regimes seeing echoes of that in President Trump. He likes these figures like Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un. In some ways, they're the people that say if they lost an election or even if they won an election, I'm going to jail my opponent. I'm going to make sure that these people pay. That's the difference usually between America and third world countries right. and other I places. Tell you, I tell you what the difference between America and third world countries is. The difference is that in America, we don't use the law enforcement and intelligence agencies to spy on our political opponents and then mobilize them to investigate our political opponents for two years, throw all their associates in jail, and, um, and, and really try to steal elections. That's the difference, or had been the difference, between the United States and third world countries. But because of the Democrats, we've been drugged down to that level. What they engaged in is just exactly the tactics that they used in the Soviet Union and communist China. And now that it's come out that they they don't have a bit of evidence to support any of it, they're, uh, you know, Trump derangement syndrome is is sort of a cliche, but it actually exists. And I think they ought to have an entry in the diagnostic uh, uh, manual, DSM, the diagnostic uh, I can't remember, um, but they, they ought to have an entry in it and, and they ought to come up with some sort of treatment for this condition because these people have absolutely gone around the bend. They cannot re- uh, reconcile reality with the, the dishonest narratives that they spouted and came to believe for two years. And it would be hilarious to watch. And I guess, in fact, it is hilarious to watch. But it's also kind of sad. Uh, and here's a prime example. This is oh, Eric Swalwell. He represents uh, San Francisco. And any other time, Swalwell, you know, uh, would be pumping gas or selling, uh, commit, you know, be, be a commissioned uh, life insurance salesman or something to that effect. But somehow, because California is in such a state of lunacy, they've elected this guy to the um, House of Representatives. He, along with Adam Schiff, uh, spout, you know, uh, mythologies 
at every turn, and they're uh, they're, they're just unable to come to terms now that they've uh, they you know the reality has come forward. Well, here's Swalwell on with Martha McCallum the other night, refusing to admit that the the dossier was a work of fiction. So it doesn't bother you that the that the Clinton campaign paid for a, a dossier to be put together by someone who had all kinds of ties to intelligence and put together something that that turned out to be not necessarily factual. That part of what, that which kind part, of which engagement. Which part of it hasn't been proved factual? Well, Christopher Jill himself said it was a, not a finished work product, and you know, everyone analyzed though. it. Said, "Well, I, I mean, which it, part was not proved factual?" I mean, are you serious? Yeah, tell me. <laughs> so you think you're, so you think that me. the doc? <laughs> are you serious? She should have said, and she would have said if she had if, if she's not such a consummate professional. You've got to be crazy. That, well, I, I mean, which it, part was not? Prove factual. I mean, are you serious? Yeah, tell me. <laughs> so you think you're, so you tell think me. that the dossier? Okay, Which part wasn't proven to be thing, factual? For one thing, Michael Cohen said he never went to Prague. No, Michael Cohen didn't just say he never went to Prague. He in fact never went to Prague. All you have to do, you you can't travel across um, international borders without leaving some record. He's got a passport. It's never been to Prague. He didn't just say it. It's a fact. Do you agree wh- with that? Which part has been proved not to be factual? He, she just told you one, dumbass. Well, the, the, there were basically, you know, a few main tenets of it. One of them was this salacious story about what happened in a hotel. None of that has proved to be to be factual. Actually, it's proven to not be factual. You just spent $40 million in two years, 40 FBI agents and 20 zealous prosecutors trying to uh, nail Trump. It has been disproven. The meeting that Cohen supposedly took in Prague was also proved to not have happened. He testified that under oath in front of Congress that he's never been to Prague. So now you accept what Michael Cohen said, because if you accept what Michael Cohen said about Prague, then I think you also have to accept that Michael Cohen saw Donald Trump talk to Roger Stone, where Roger Stone said the WikiLeaks attack is happening. So if if you're accepting that, then you accept that Donald Trump knew about the Russian interference campaign. And that's the issue here, Martha. You see, there's just an example of his lie, even if you uh, took... Cohen at his word that he overheard Roger Stone telling Trump that there was going to be a WikiLeaks dump. He didn't say it was from the Russians. It still has not been proven to this day that the Russians provided this information to WikiLeaks. And it's far more likely that it was provided by somebody who uh, was working inside the Democrat National Committee. And oh, by the way, may have been murdered as a result of it. But Swalwell is saying, what has proven to be false? I wish Martha had been just a little quicker on her feet and realized the uh, the lunacy of that claim. Does Swalwell not realize that you can't prove a negative? Their standard now is you can't prove that Donald Trump didn't collude with the Russians. Well, you can't prove that the the... Sun won't come. Uh, will come up tomorrow morning, but it's a pretty good bet that it will. You can't prove a negative, and that's the oldest trick in the book: uh, the uh, logical fallacies. 
And Swalwell, I don't think he even realizes it. I think he's just mentally ill, pulled that. And then when uh, before Martha could really nail him on it, he's, he's, he swapped over to, oh, uh, uh, Cohen testified that he heard, heard uh, Stone tell Trump about WikiLeaks stumps. Well, guess what? That the announcement of the WikiLeaks dump was uh, made by Julian Assange two weeks before that phone call ever happened in the Guardian newspaper. So this was no great insight on, on Stone's behalf. Man, maybe I've got a little bit of uh, a Russiagate derangement syndrome as well, uh, because, you know, going through two years of this and uh, having it all proved a hoax, and having the Democrats and, and their mouthpieces in the media just refuse to acknowledge it is is quite maddening. I think it's going to serve Trump quite well in the 2020 campaign because all of his opponents have been discredited and proven to be dishonest and willing to take this country down and damage uh, in order to uh, achieve political power. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk about uh, Jesse Smollett. We're going to give you an update on that and, uh, and the future of health care insurance in this country. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. (laughs) Have you taken note of this apology tour that all the white men in the Democrat presidential field are engaged in? Oh, Beto O'Rourke, Robert Francis O'Rourke. He had to apologize for being a white male when he announced for president. He was immediately attacked for his gender and the color of his skin saying, you know, this is no time for another white man. And Joe Biden, who polls uh, probably twice as much as anybody else in the field, um, he was immediately attacked as well. So both of these guys have gone on this apology tour. You can, oh, well, um, uh, Bernie Sanders has had to apologize for being a white man too. But uh, the beauty of Biden's apology tour is we get a, a preview if anybody had forgotten um, just how dim-witted and dishonest Joe Biden really is. Um, you know, he, he ran, he's been in politics for 44 years. He's, he's got a record replete from when he tried to, uh, you know, get votes from conservative Democrats back when there was, still was such an animal, uh, supporting the crime bill and, and calling... Uh, uh, black gangbangers, predators, which, by the way, I wholeheartedly agree with. The crime bill did great things for lowering the crime rate in this country. And, uh, and the uh, drug gangs were on the streets, absolutely were predators, and still are. But uh, you're just not allowed to say things like that in today's Democrat Party, because today's Democrat Party is made up of social justice warriors, uh, 
And if those those things are coming out of the mouth of a white man, uh, they're all the more damaging. And so Biden is trying to get all of his apologies out of the way before the campaign begins in earnest. He's he's set to announce uh, sometime in early April. I don't understand these these you know pre-announcement announcements. But he's uh, he's going on these speaking tours, and he uh, he's most recently apologized for his treatment of poor poor Anita Hill. Anita Hill, if you're uh, not old enough to remember, or, or if that memory is faded, was Clarence Thomas's Christine Blasey Ford, where they tried to weaponize um, allegations of sexual harassment and sexual assault to try to take down. Uh, um, conservative Supreme Court nominees. And uh, Anita Hill at the time was treated like a a heroine uh, that was going to, uh, you know, do the work of Ted Kennedy and Joe Biden and uh, and muddy up Clarence Thomas so badly that they would have to withdraw his nomination as they did to uh, Judge Bork. They were trying to Bork Clarence Thomas, but they knew that because Clarence Thomas was black, they were going to have to deploy some intersectionality. They're going to have to get another black, and in this case, a woman, to accuse him, smear him of the most ridiculous accusations you ever heard. And Joe Biden was head of the Senate Judiciary Committee at the time. He treated her very solicitously, as did all the Democrats, you know, began all of their statements uh, declaring what a... uh, a brave heroine she was, while at the same time they just smeared um, Clarence Thomas at every opportunity. But since Clarence Thomas was confirmed, Biden now has to apologize for having chaired that committee. And uh, we're going to play you some clips from his most recent apology. Uh, Here he is talking about how badly damaged and how brave Anita Hill was. To this day, I regret I couldn't come up with a way to get her the kind of hearing she deserved, given the courage she showed by reaching out to us. The hearing she deserved was a hearing where she was respected, where the tone of the questioning was not hostile and insulting, where the fact that she stepped forward was recognized as an act of courage in and of itself. Because let's face it. Back in 1991, it took a lot of courage to take on a man who was so much a part of the establishment of the power structure. It took a lot of courage to damage her own career and her own reputation in the face of the... Well, that's, that's a joke. Anita Hill's career and reputation wasn't damaged. In fact, uh, she became a darling of the left that controls so many of the institutions, especially academia in our country. She's made a fortune sitting on boards, you know, determining what constitutes sexual harassment and what doesn't. Absolute fortune. She's entered the history books as um, a truth teller, despite the fact that uh, none of her accusations could ever be validated or confirmed. Anita Hill didn't suffer any from that. And while she, you know, gave it, a tearful testimony back in 1991. She was treated respectfully by the Democrats and the Republicans on that committee. The reason that Joe Biden's having to apologize now 
is because Clarence Thomas pushed back on the accusations and was ultimately confirmed over um, the votes of, of all of those, uh, those members, Democrat members of the committee. They failed to bork him. And, um, and that's exactly what should have happened. Anita Hill was uh, put up there by um, the Democrat machine. They deployed her accusations in a very strategic manner. They, they, they never came to light prior to his nomination to the Supreme Court, despite the fact that he had been, uh, you know, sitting on the bench for decades. Anita Hill's reputation was damaged. Those hearings were the best thing that ever happened to Anita Hill. She's made a career off of her testimony against Clarence Thomas. But here he is, uh, quite rightly, drawing parallels between what Anita Hill did and what Christine Blasey Ford attempted against uh, Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. And he, he doesn't even realize that, you know, people have a more modern memory. They know how gently and... Um, heroically Christine Basley Ford was treated. You notice how after all of these accusations, these accusers just disappear in the woodwork. Why nobody ever did any investigative reporting? Well, I know why. But the fact that uh, Christine Blasey Ford uh, formulated her story and brought it forward after meeting with a, a former um, Department of Justice official and close associate with Preet Bahara in Rehoboth Beach, Maryland, when she tried to, uh, and then she went forward and tried to sabotage Kavanaugh's campaign or uh, nomination. But uh, here is uh, Biden talking about these parallels. It still takes courage. Nearly 30 years later, and I public apologize to Anita because she didn't get the hearing she deserved and the Senate Judiciary Committee has the power and obligation to set a standard for the nation. It should not be one of the most difficult places for a woman to lay out a story of abuse and harassment. And yet last fall you saw it all over again in the Kavanaugh hearing. Almost 30 years, the culture, the institutional culture has not changed. And that diminishes the likelihood that other women will come forward knowing what they're going to face. What is this lunatic talking about? Christine Blasey Ford became a millionaire as a result of her testimony. She didn't have to pay her legal fees. She was treated as a conquering hero by the Democrats on the committee who spent most of their time just praising uh, how brave and heroic she was. You saw uh, uh, crazy Cory Booker bringing her coffee and I'm surprised they didn't give her a, a shoulder rub. But she didn't suffer any from, from that. She became a millionaire. She's going to write a book and make many more millions of dollars, despite the fact that her testimony was, was plainly shown to have been concocted from top to bottom. Back when Anita Hill testified, you didn't have the alternative press. So she got away with a lot of her accusations, and they weren't debunked. They weren't proven, but they weren't so thoroughly debunked as uh, Christine Blasey Ford's accusations were. But um, 
this whole notion, everybody's, you know, trying to claim the status of victimhood. And the very notion that Biden thinks that you ought to be able to make unproven, unverifiable accusations from 35 years ago and then drag um, a man, Brad Kavanaugh, through the mud and try to destroy his reputation and ruin his career and embarrass him in front of his children uh, just just goes to show you, uh, you know, what you got to do to get in line with the ideology of today's Democrat Party. But here is the real king daddy of the quotes from this mea culpa tour that Biden is on. When he, uh, he talks about um, men beating their women. Change the culture in this country. That's just the laws. We change the laws. Change the culture. The culture. You all know what the phrase rule of thumb means? Where it's derived from? In English common law, not codification, common law, back in the late 1300s, so many women were dying at the hands of their husbands because they were a chattel, just like the cattle or the sheep, that the court of common law decided they had to do something about the extent of the death. So you know what they said? No man has a right to chastise his woman with a rod thicker than the circumference of his thumb. This is English jurisprudential culture, a white man's culture. It's got to change. It's got to change. What Biden did right there was tell a blatant lie. This was a lie that was concocted by radical feminists back in the 60s. It's been thoroughly debunked. It still lives on the Internet. But there was never any finding in British common law or white man's jurisprudence saying that men were allowed to beat their wives and that when they did, they had to use a, 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 a rod no thicker than their thumb. It's a total mythology. And this is the type of mythologies that uh, Biden has trafficked in his whole career. And usually, when he runs for president, these mythologies are so outrageous that it ends up destroying his campaign. It has in the past. And I have no doubt that if he's the Democrat nominee, I I doubt very seriously the Democrats are ever going to nominate another white man. But this is the kind of thing that always destroys Joe Biden. He is a horse's ass, a a, a monumental horse's ass. He just lied to you, told you that British common law allowed uh, men to beat women and that women were considered no more than cattle in British common law. I guess he never heard of Queen Victoria. I guess he never heard of the great uh, female uh, writers from that period. It's all a joke. Women in Western civilization have been the most uh, prized and protected and highly valued um, people. Not just women, but people in the history of the world. And this notion that British common law allowed you to beat them is now, I mean, if you want to actually look at where women are allowed to be beaten, he could, uh, he could ring up uh, Ilhar Omar and talk about Sharia law, but it was never the case in, uh, in British common law that uh, you could get away with that.
you'd end up in the stocks and beating yourself for that sort of thing. Mm-mm-mm. Well, let's uh, let's take a look at the the developments in the Jesse Smollett case. This uh, this prosecutor, um, Kim Fox, who was communicating early on with uh, Michelle Obama's former chief of staff, Tina Chen, trying to uh, to get the uh, Chicago Police Department to lay off a poor juicy. Turns out she never recused herself at all. She never recused herself. She's just passed off the face of the prosecution to her her toady, Joe Maggot, who was the one that put together this ridiculous deal in which they allowed Jesse Smollett uh, to, to walk, dropped all the charges, expunged his record, sealed the case, and uh, said that 16 hours of community service for Jesse Jackson was all that he would have to suffer, plus his, his $10,000 in, uh, in um, bond forfeited. All of that was simply to be him, uh, keep him from being retried, give him the protections of double jeopardy. Judge Knapp was on with... Uh, Shepard Smith, and this is what he had to say about um, about the juicy justice in Chicago. She had had conversations with someone representing the family who happened to be the former First Lady Michelle Obama's one-time chief of staff. So when you're a judge or a prosecutor and somebody approaches you and asks you to do a favor in a case that you have... You have to get off the case totally and completely. You must avoid... For ethics reasons. Correct. You must avoid impropriety, a conflict between what your friend wants and what your your legal obligation is. You must also avoid the appearance of impropriety. You can't get off the case and then suddenly jump back in in order to tie a bow on, on this package and make it go the way you want it to go. That behavior of hers was uh, seriously, questionably ethical and ought to be examined by the ethics investigators in Chicago. But that's the least of her wrongs. The great wrong, the, the unfathomable wrong here is the unjust outcome of this case. They just did, I think, I remember looking at this stuff all, all day for you. And in my 44 years as a lawyer, have many of those years spent in the criminal justice system and on the judicial end of things. I have not seen anything like this. They did him a favor for reasons we don't know and attempted to mask that favor in some sort of credibility in the courtroom. Well, they were able to get away with it because the judge was along with it. The judge should have never agreed that these records to be sealed. And the fact that the judge did that shows that she's part of the Chicago machine as well. This is Chicago justice. You have one set of uh, standards for, um, you know, the the well-connected, the rich, mostly the well-connected. Anybody to do with the uh, the Obama royalty in Chicago is certainly not going to be held accountable for any illegality, much less uh, just simply uh, reinforcing the social justice narrative with a fake hate crime. I read some article that said uh, he had committed a homophobic, uh, homophobic and racial attack on himself. <laughs> so 
Now it's not a hoax. He, in fact, committed a homophobic and racial attack on himself. They didn't use the word hoax. They said he attacked himself in a homophobic and racial assault. It reminds you of that scene from Blazing Saddles where uh, the, the leading character pulls a gun, points it to his head, and tells everybody to drop their weapons or uh, the, uh, the N-word's going to get it. Oh, man. Uh, one of the interesting developments in the Smollett case is President Trump said on Thursday, this morning, that the FBI and Justice Department are going to look into the handling by the Chicago prosecutors of Smollett's case. He, he tweeted that out. He said, FBI and DOJ to review the outrageous Justice Smollett case in Chicago. It's an embarrassment for our nation. It absolutely is. I'm not sure if the president should have taken the lead on that, because now they will be able to convince uh, all of their never-Trumpers uh, to get behind Jesse Smollett. I don't know if it'll take much convincing, but he probably should have just turned it over to the uh, the district attorney or the uh, uh, U.S. attorney for Cook County, assuming that he can be counted on. I'm sure Obama's uh, you know probably got his man in there. But his, uh, the president's tweet came uh, hours after a report by Chicago's WLS-TV citing uh, Chicago Police Department sources saying the FBI had launched a probe into the, uh, the prosecutor's deal to drop the 16-count uh, indictment. Um, on Wednesday, Kim Fox, who was supposed to have recused herself but didn't, in fact, ever recuse herself, just said that she did. She said uh, she defended the decision, said, based on the facts and evidence, this office believes they could prove him guilty, but I believe that this is a just outcome based on the circumstances. How can somebody wealthy, well-connected, high profile, engage in a hate crime hoax, jerk the police department around for um, weeks and weeks, and then walk away without even a record, not even a misdemeanor conviction. One of the really uh, great uh, developments is, while the judge ordered that the records be sealed, he was talking about the records of the prosecution in the court. He neglected at first to seal the records of the police departments, and the police department received open records requests from intrepid Chicago reporters where, you know, evidently there are some people that still investigate. Hello, Jeff Zucker. And uh, sent an open records request, and the police department released all of those records, and uh, gratefully they're in the public domain now. And if you read them, he is absolutely guilty as hell. They, they had an open and shut case, and that's why nobody's pretending in the Cook County Prosecutor's Office that uh, he was anything other than guilty. They're just pretending like 18 hours of community service and a $10,000 fine is, is punishment enough, never mind the fact that he didn't have to actually plead 
to any uh, guilty to anything and is in fact running around now saying that he's innocent. His lawyer, in fact, said that they're, they're thinking about suing the Chicago Police Department. That'll never happen, by the way. <laughs> he, he will never try to go into a court of law and, and prove that he was wronged by the Chicago Police Department because everything they did was um, above board and really at the highest um, professional standards. But as soon as the Chicago Police Department released those records... The DA's office found out about it, went running to the judge, and had the judge issue another order against them releasing the records, but by that time it was too late. But according to Trump now, the, uh, the FBI is looking into it, and this will be, uh, this is not the end of this. This is going to reveal massive government uh, corruption in the Cook County Prosecutor's Office. And as far as Smollett, about doubt very seriously he's going to get off either because one of the things he did and the reason he staged this fake hate crime hoax is because he didn't give it enough attention when he sent this this fake um, hate mail to himself. And when he did that, he's probably too stupid to know about it, but he really messed up because the U.S. Postal Inspectors, they don't have as big a caseload as some of these other law enforcement agencies, and they don't get to engage in a lot of high-profile criminal investigations. But they're a police agency, and they have skilled detectives. I think uh, there was a movie about postal inspectors. Um, I can't, I'll, I'll try to think of the title. It is really good. Um, but these, these postal inspectors... Unless they're already compromised by, you know, being Obama uh, crony appointees. I expect that they're going to go after Jesse Smollett uh, very, very vigorously. And sending that sort of uh, hate crime hoax through the mail is a, a, a felony, a federal felony that can land you in jail for a good long time. So Jesse Smollett's not, not gotten away with this. And I think before it's all over with, uh, that the, uh, the the Cook County DA's office overreached pretty dramatically and uh, have created so much of a backlash that Jesse Smollett is, is going to have to serve some jail time. So I, I, uh, I got this one clip here. You talk about the, uh, the lunatics uh, that are running for the Democrat nomination. Here is old Cory Booker who was on with Don Lamont last night doing a town hall. Uh, CNN is devoting a lot of airtime to town halls in order to try to gin up support for these this, um, this motley band of Democrat presidential nominees. There are up to 15 of them now. But Cory Booker was appearing with Don Lamont, who, by the way, was uh, you know a, a big supporter of Jesse as a fellow... Um, gay black man texting him repeatedly after this uh, terrorist hoax offering his support. But uh, Don Lamont asked Cory Booker about his take on all of this. And of course, Cory Booker figured out a way to blame it on white people. So, Senator, 
I'm sure you're aware of what's going on uh, in Chicago. The, the prosecutor just dropped all the charges against Jesse Smollett, who was accused of staging a, a, a hate crime against himself in, in January. You originally said that it was a modern-day lynching before saying you needed... You notice how he, he did it? He did it, too. He committed a hate crime against himself. So we're not even allowed to point out that these aren't actual hate crimes. They're hate crime hoaxes. He didn't commit a hate crime. He committed a hate crime hoax. A hate crime against himself in January. You originally said that it was a modern day lynching before saying you needed more information. You know, the mayor of Chicago still believes that he says that that it was a hoax. Uh, He's calling it a whitewash of justice. Is that what happened here? Is this a whitewash of justice? I I don't know all the details in the prosecutor's decision. I know that's going to come out. But what we got to know is that this is happening in a larger context where hate crimes in this country are on a rise. See, watch the pivot there. I don't know anything about that. Uh, I was quick to jump on board uh, early and call it a modern-day lynching. And, and in fact, passed a bill through the uh, the Senate, uh, a lynching law classifying any hate crime as a lynching, despite the fact that there, you know, there's not actually a lynching. Just any sort of assault can be now classified as a lynching as a result of the Jesse Smollett hate crime hoax. But but Cory Booker can't bring himself to uh, condemn that. He he wants to talk about white supremacists. I, I don't know all the details in the prosecutor's decision. I know that's going to come out. But what we got to know is that this is happening in a larger context where hate crimes in this country are on a rise, where white supremacist violence is on the rise. In fact, if you look at the majority of terrorist attacks since 9-11, the majority of them have been done by homegrown right-wing extremist groups, and the majority of those have been white supremacist groups. What he did right there was just lie to you. He lied through his teeth. That is not the case. That is uh, ginned up false statistics from the Southern Poverty Law Center. And we're going to have to do another show on the Southern Poverty Law Center and the meltdown over there. But uh, Cory Booker, you know, we're going to see if this is the kind of leadership we want uh, going forward in 2020. Well, that takes us to the end of this show. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back to join us again tomorrow for another edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Internet required for mobile. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.